Welcome to this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. I'm Trista Polo from IWokeUpAwesome.com and I am your host. Each week we learn the story behind that vanity plate. You know the one you saw driving down the road? What did it say? What did it mean? Why did they choose it? This week we meet Charmaine Gregory from Michigan. Her plate, Fit Doc, reflects her journey as an ER doctor who has had to face burnout injury and weight gain and the impact they had on her life. She has turned it all around with a shift in mindset, habit, and facing her fears. Charmaine has decided to pay this journey forward by helping others face their own fears and limiting beliefs about themselves. She gives us some great advice to get us started on that journey for ourselves. Join us for Charmaine's story and stay tuned to the end to hear what it's been like for her as a doctor working in the ER during COVID-19. Let's meet Charmaine Gregory. Welcome to Trista's Plate Story Podcast this week. I'm very excited to have Fit Doc. That's the license plate and it's owned by Charmaine Gregory of Michigan. Welcome Charmaine. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I would love to hear the story about your license plate. Oh my goodness. Yes. So I wasn't a person that wanted a vanity plate, but I just felt like the situation kind of called for it. (laughs) And so I am an emergency physician and I have been working as an emergency physician for the last 15 years. And so I went through a little bump in my career where I went through something called burnout. And it was something that was very unrecognized by me. Like I had no idea. I actually didn't realize that it wasn't that normal to, because I work nights. And so my alarm would go off at 10 o'clock or 10, 15, and I'd get up and basically get ready to go to work. So I didn't realize it wasn't normal that when that alarm went off that I would hit the snooze button a few times and then I would finally get ready to get out of the bed and I would literally have to tell every single muscle that allows for my body to go from the recumbent position to the upright position to fire and then tell my legs to swing around, tell each foot to touch the ground and then take one step in front of the other. And that whole mental exercise continued as I prepared myself to get ready to leave. Then when I got to the hospital, I literally would be white knuckling it on the steering wheel and just thinking about going inside. I would have to literally tell every last finger and both thumbs to release the death grip that they had on the steering wheel and to go in. And it just seemed normal because it was something that happened over a period of time. It was very insidious and I like to call it a clandestine thief in the night because it is so mm. unappreciated by the person that's going through it often. And they don't really realize that they're in a dark place until sometimes it's too late. I have a fear of public speaking, but, but that's a whole other discussion. But I, I was getting ready um, to give a talk to the resident doctors and I wanted to wear my favorite suit. So I went into the closet, I got the suit out and I tried to put the blazer of the suit on and literally the buttons for whatever reason i just still don't understand decided they were not going to cooperate and 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 make a union with the 
buttonholes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I, I was like, what is happening? And yeah. then the next thing that happened was I tried to put the pants on and they just decided they were not going to negotiate my hips any longer. And that event basically left me on the floor of the closet crying. Like what, what, what's happened? Oh my goodness. The reason is because I've always been a very active person as a child, very active, you know, always playing sports in college. I played sports in high school, even when I was in medical school, you know, stayed active doing activities, you know, running, et cetera, et cetera. And then residency was very similar. And so it was very strange for me to be in that situation. So I had three children in rapid succession because I was already in my thirties when I got done with my training and um, I preferred not to continue having children into my forties. So I had three children in rapid succession and the last child was the pregnancy that I was the most active. I actually ran a 5k when I was 27 weeks or 26 weeks pregnant. She was born in January and running season started in May or June, I think. And so I jumped right in and I was doing a 5k every month wow. and I wasn't training very well and I was pushing them. So I had them in a stroller and I was pushing them as I was running. So, you know, that was like another stress that I should have prepared for. And so ultimately ended up hurting my knee and it was a one year sojourn to try to figure out what the actual diagnosis was. And it was only discovered intraoperatively. So my surgeon went in, took a look and he was like, oh my God, you have the knee of a 60 year old and oh you have all this debris and you have a torn right. And as a result, I also lost range of motion despite this physical therapy, et cetera. So anyway, long story short, one whole year, deconditioning, loss of muscle mass, loss of range of motion, loss of function. And then surgery happens everything seems to be all good. And so now we're in the fall after the surgery when I'm thinking, oh, I'm back to normal. And then I try on the suit and it doesn't fit. And it's like, oh crap, <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. And so luckily, and this is pure serendipity, I, we were homeschoolers. And so I was in a homeschool mom's group and one of the moms, she was I guess having an epiphany and deciding that she was going to get back to being healthy or being mm -hmm. fit or however you want to put it. And <laughs> she started a, an accountability group. And so I said, sure, I'll join that. Right. Cause now I'm like crying on the floor of the closet, yeah. freaking favorite suit's not fitting. I'm very frustrated. And I'm like, I gotta do something. So I joined the group and amazing amazing. Like accountability happens. I'm exercising 30 minutes a day, six days a week. I'm like working on my mind, working on my mindset, working on personal development. Absolutely amazing. And so now a couple months into it, total body transformation, back in the suit. Amazing. Great. Life is awesome. Then I remember <laughs> that what the, sh the shenanigans that took place as I was getting ready to go to work every night. And I was like, oh my God, I was burnt out. This is crazy. Mm. How can I pay this forward? How can I take this gift that has been given to me, re-gifted to me, I guess, because at one point I was fit and I didn't realize that that was the glue that was kind of holding things together for me. Yeah. And so I basically said, you know what? I'm going to start a company. So I started a company, which was, um, which is, I shouldn't say was, our focus is different now, but then it was on fitness coaching and, and um, awareness. And it's Fervently Fit with Charmaine. 
And so I started a company and I was doing fitness coaching. I went and I got certified to teach, you know, group classes and a couple of formats and, you know, just talking to colleagues about burnout and, you know, ways in which they can combat it and all of that. That's when I kind of got the appellation of FitDoc. And so it was the connection of fitness and the spark. There's a really great book called Spark, by the way, if anybody's interested, talks about how your cognitive ability is greatly affected by how much you exert yourself physically mm-hmm. and your physical um, fitness. It's okay. phenomenal. Great. Um, there's an association <laughs> between being in good physical health and fitness and being an excellent doctor. And so I kind of got known as FitDoc. And so that's kind of how the play came about. So when the opportunity came to change my license plate, I was like, you know what? I'm going to change it to FitDoc. Unfortunately, we had a little connectivity issue with the internet. So we did have to move to a phone call, but stay tuned. We covered a lot more great stuff. Tell me a little about your kids. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. They're absolutely (laughs) amazing. Um, So, all right, we'll start with the oldest one. Uh, he is just a phenomenal human being. I still can't believe that we got together and created that dude. But um, he is <laughs> very—he's very gregarious. He is uh, a very articulate. He loves words. He likes language. He also likes creating cities. He's very into urban planning, and I have no idea how he got into that because not, neither one of us is an urban urban planner. Or mm-hmm. we have any, whenever we go somewhere, he'd always ask, "Can we see the, the tallest buildings in this town?" Like that was something that was always fascinating to him. I mean, that's that's him. He's a uh, he's a pretty funny guy. Cool. I love that. The the next one down is. Um, She's our creator. She is very artistic. Again, I don't know where that particular talent came from because neither my husband or myself are very artistic. But she is the person that can take a piece of trash and turn it into a creation, turn it into something useful. The most recent thing that she's been doing is she's been creating furniture for a dollhouse. And she literally makes the furniture out of cardboard you know so, so she has all these elaborate uh set cool. up details the bar stools for the the bar overhang for the kitchen i mean like all these things she makes it out of you know recyclable things so she mm-hmm. uses cardboard she uses you know bottle caps she uses all kinds of things that are that are um discarded and so she likes to create her own little world uh in her maker space and and then she has recently asked us if she can take things apart. So she's been, you know, old electronics, she's been taking them apart and it's kind of looking to see what's inside of them, how do they work, et cetera, et cetera. So she's our maker, engineer, slash, I don't know, mad scientist. I love her. it. Oh, and she, she loves critters. Uh-huh. She will bring frogs and shove them in my face all the time. She, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she loves nature. She loves critters. And, oh, and she's obsessed with ants. She loves ants because, and I think it has something to do with the fact that she watches a YouTube channel called Ants Canada. I have to tell you about my grandfather. So he has passed away, but he was a, a miniature artist. He did amazing works, always in wood. Maybe it was a secretary or a grandfather clock, a violin, a small box, just 
the most intricately detailed woodworks. And he did them at one sixteenth scale. He was always wow. looking for wonderful wood with really great small knots and grains so that it would show up in a small piece of furniture. He was such a perfectionist. And he is world-renowned for his work. He's in the Miniature Museum. He... Um, I actually, uh, he was written up in the New York Times back in the 70s, like just really amazing artisan of miniature dollhouse type furniture. So you made me think of him when you talked about your daughter loving to make things out of cardboard for her, her dollhouse. Wow. Yeah. You know what? That's awesome. That's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you could wow. um, have her look him up if you wanted to show her his work. His name was Ernie Levy, and he was from Ernie the Catskills. Levy. So you have one more child. Tell me a little bit about yes. them. Okay, so now she's a firecracker. Uh, <laughs> she is the one that is the you know ultimate extrovert, ultimate you know super lovable. Oh, I, there's one more thing I got to say about the other child. So I told you the things that she likes to do, but she is a phenomenal and when I say phenomenal I mean she's so stealth with this that it's 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 almost like unbelievable. She can get what she wants in any situation because she negotiates like a boss. And she has always been like this. Probably I noticed it like right around age four or five. And she she'll be in a group of people. She will not know them. She will enter the group and then she will come out essentially as the leader of the group. Wow. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. And she, <laughs> she makes everybody feel, she literally like leaves the situation with everybody loving her because they've all gotten something out of the deal. Mm, she got what that. she wanted, yeah. but they also got something. And so they, so then in return, they essentially make her the leader. I mean, it's <laughs> wild. That's awesome. You have some very cool children. <laughs> I'm so Thank glad you. I asked Thank you about you. them. I want to ask you about your coaching. Um, you were talking about really shifting your mindset and your personal development when you went through your own transformation in your rebirth of a fit, um, a passionate fit person, I guess I'd like to say. What would you say is important when shifting your mindset? What, what worked for you? So for me, I felt like it was, you have to be open because like everything that requires change, it does require some openness on your part. So you have to open your mind to the change. And then you have to also open up your mind to the fact that it's not a change that's going to happen very rapidly. It is something that is going to have a compound effect, essentially. So you're going to be doing bits of work over a period of time and then you're going to be able to look back and say, wow, there has been a tremendous transformation. So for me, the whole transformation really took a while. You know, ultimately, it is the recognition that you can do introspection that helps you to grow even more. So initially, I was just working on, well, why did I feel this way? Why was I in that situation where I was going through that dance in the parking lot? Like, why? Why did that happen? And I had to really dig deep and figure that out for myself. And then I had to figure out a way in which I wouldn't be in that place again, right? So I had to always be 
pushing myself outside of my comfort zone so that I would always be growing. Because when you stop growing, that's when, you know, you, you become stagnant and being stagnant is not good because it doesn't really help you or it doesn't help those around you. And ultimately, you know, it, it can put you back, you know, several steps. So Absolutely. Um, that's basically it, right? So really the first thing is, and I say this even when I coach people about facing fear. You know, for me, it's like facilitate the recognition of your fear, right? So you have to facilitate the recognition of the thing you need to work on, right? What is your weakness? What is your, what is your thing? So if you're not facilitating that, if you're not open to it, you're not going to recognize it and you're not going to be able to, to, to do anything about it. So that's the biggest thing I would say. It sounds like you might have fear written out like that each letter has a meaning. So what are the E, A, and R in your coaching program? Oh, so basically you're going to look at, you're going to examine, you know, what stage you are. And then the next thing is you're going to, you know, examine what stage you're in. And then the, um, the A is going to be coming up with the action plan. And then the R is going to always relook and make sure that you're making progress mm. within that action plan. Yeah. That's great. I love that. So facilitate the recognition yep. and, and then, then evaluate mm-hmm. it, like the impact it has on your life. Exactly. And then take actions, set up an action plan and then review. Was that the word review? Yes. And then reassess where you are as you implement the action plan. Yes. I love and it. Then, and, and part of that, part of that review and reassessment is a resolve to be uncomfortable, right? Because, you know, when you resolve to be uncomfortable, then you're always going to be stepping outside your comfort zone. You're always going to be growing. You're always going to be doing something scary. So for me, you know, the issue that I was having was my fear of public speaking. And so for my resolve, you know, I'm always pushing myself. I'm always doing something that I'm a little uncomfortable with all the time because Mm. that's the only way that I'm going to be better at speaking. And that's the only way that I'm going to be able to give more to audiences when I get on stages. You're going to be always putting yourself in that place where Mm -hmm. you're uncomfortable. You're going to do something a little scary every single day. Well, you know, we're plants, basically. If you're a plant and you're not growing, then you're actually dying. And so we're just like that. If you're not growing as a person, then you're dying. If we're actually sitting still for, for a long time, your body says, oh, are we done? I guess we'll start breaking down. Like you have to be no, moving. No, that's exactly right. Right? That's exactly and, right. And it's the same thing with your mind and your spirit and your transformation. I think that I actually was, uh, I read something recently. They were looking for experts to speak on, isn't it just okay to stay inside your comfort zone? And I was like, um, can I do the opposite side of that? You have to be going outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. Now, you're an emergency doctor. What do you love yes. about being an emergency doctor? You know, I really like the fact that I do get to make decisions, a lot of decisions, and I make them with little data and high stakes mm. <laughs> all the time. I would hate that job. <laughs> That is like all the stuff I can't stand. I hate making decisions. I definitely don't like doing it without a lot of information. <laughs> and I don't like high risk. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um 
I, I don't know what it is. I, I some of us are they've called us uh, adrenaline junkies. You know, we've had all kinds of appellations over the years, but. I really like that, and I also like the fact that I see so many different kinds of people. I see, I see criminals. I see, you know, I see people who are homeless, whatever. You know, so it doesn't matter. Like everybody gets the same, the same care, and I can't say no to a patient. Like that's just not what we do, and so that makes for a very interesting combination. And you just never know, like what's going to come through the door. You really literally never know, and you are constantly, no matter how long you do it, my colleagues have been doing it for like 30 years, and, you know, they say that they still see things that they're like, wow, I cannot believe that I saw that. And how did the whole COVID-19 thing affect your hospital? We did get a lot of cases. We are still getting cases. I mean, it's not over. <laughs> people, right? people are acting like it is, and I'm still like, no. It's not over you all. People want to do things. I get it. But at the same time, you know, I just don't want to come in to see me sick. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the place where we are in Michigan is right next to the county that got hit really, really, really hard. But, you know, we so we did not get it as badly as they did. And they handled it like champs, by the way. I mean, phenomenal handling of the whole situation. And then um, for us, we had... You know, we had a period there in March and April where we had whole floors that were hot zones. You know, we had several floors that were hot zones. And the whole, like, the half of the emergency department was a hot zone. I mean, and we had the tents outside. We still have the tents outside, but we had, you know, we had an area outside that was, you know, basically dedicated to those patients and triaging those patients. And, yeah, and so, of course, we're constantly in you know, PPE, personal protection equipment. Um, We were constantly in that and, you know, throughout the entire shift, full on, you know, because pretty much everybody we were seeing was ill from this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there were a lot of people that we ended up, you know, putting on ventilators and we lost a lot of people and a lot of people were in ICUs were constantly full. Wow. So, yeah, it was, it's something else. Which is the reason why I'm kind of like not too happy about the fact that everybody's just, you know, pretending as though nothing's going on. Mm-hmm. And they're going about their merry way and congregating in close proximity and all of this stuff without any kind of, like, protection. Right. I think I think it's a little nutty. But, you know, again, I cannot expect people to understand the gravity of the situation if they're not seeing it. Like, the, those of us who are in healthcare who have seen the devastation that can occur from this, we get it. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, no thanks. We're not trying to, you know, have parties without masks or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, we're, we're not trying to do that. Like, no, that's not how we roll. And so it, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to to look out my window. Even right now, I'm looking out my window, and I, all the kids in the neighborhood are congregating, and our march students just don't because they understand. They know they've seen it. Yeah. And so they're like, they're like, no, we're not trying to be, you know, close to other kids right now, Mom. We get it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you and um, all the emergency and essential workers, especially in healthcare, because you're right. I've been one of those people that sits home. I work from home. I didn't need to go anywhere, so I didn't see any reason to put anybody at risk by me spreading anything around, and I certainly didn't want to get sick myself. So I've been home, Right. I think, in the last exactly. three months. I've left four times, and one of those, it was just me and my husband going for a sale. 
We didn't even interact with anybody. But it's hard to believe that it could be that bad. So I just want to stay out of harm's way for myself and other people. But you're right. I actually don't even know the gravity of it because I am so isolated. I'm just believing what I hear from people like you. Like, stay home. Be safe if you go out. Keep it to a minimum. Yeah. Let's get this thing under control. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely very, very real. And like you said, it is hard if you're not exposed or if you don't have a connection that is affected by this. It's very easy to then think that there isn't a problem. So you had a fear of public speaking, and now you're yes. a highly paid public speaker. So clearly yes. you are able to face your fear and you coach people on that. You also have a podcast about facing your fear. So I'd love to hear about that um, a little more like your work, what you do outside of the ER. Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. love talking about that. And so <laughs> kind of around the time when I was telling you guys about the um, the suit, you know, betraying me uh, so viciously. Oh, goodness. And then I'm um, coming <laughs> to the realization that I need to do something about that. I, during the process of that introspection, when you start uh, doing that kind of deep dive, looking into yourself, you find all kinds of things that you need to work on. And so I discovered that I was having an issue with public speaking and I have to do it a lot. And so I basically drew a line in the sand and I said, you know what, I need to do something about this. Uh, One of the ways I think I'm going to do this is I am going to get on more stages in front of more people and kind of give myself a desensitizing kind of therapy. (laughs) And then the next thing that I decided to do was to start a podcast. I figured that a podcast is a great way to build public speaking skills. And I also figured that it was a great way for me to share my journey, kind of like a vlog, but an audio audiogram of that, I mm-hmm. suppose. And then I'm just going to get as many people as possible to come on the show, talk about their fears, so I can learn from them. Mm, <laughs> so smart. Essentially, the podcast was a little selfish to start off, and then it turned <laughs> into something, something incredible. That's wonderful. So, yeah, it was like a nice surprise. And as a result of the podcast, I started speaking at podcasting conferences. Oh, cool. And so I was able to marry essentially both worlds, you know. And the other side of things, like on the professional side, I basically put it out into the universe. And this is something that I tell people all the time. So if you really want to do something, you know, don't be afraid to put it out into the universe and say it. Believe it, and it'll happen, because that is exactly what happened. I said, I'm going to be a public speaker. Anybody who asked me if they had breath, I said it. I'm going to be a public speaker. Mm-hmm. And then before I knew it, I had colleagues who were saying, hey, Charmaine's a public speaker. <laughs> you know, do you need someone to speak for this? Yes. And, and then that's, that's basically how it happened. And it just like, you know, more and more opportunities came about because I was willing to put myself out there. Even if I thought I wasn't completely ready, I just said it goes back to that whole thing, doing something scary, right? You do something scary, that's when the most growth happens. And, you know, I've had coaches and I've had, uh, you know, I've done things to continue to work on my ability to speak to other people. And every single time I get on stage, every single time I do a speaking engagement, there is a symbiotic relationship that happens because 
instead of me looking at it as something that I'm definitely afraid of, because I literally have a physical response that happened every time. Sure. And I had a mental response. And so instead of me looking at it like that, I decided to convert the fear into fuel for excellence. And so I have taken that energy, that fear-filled energy, and converted it into energy that I'm going to be able to give to the audience. Mm. Because I know that when I give my best to the audience, what happens is I have fun, they have fun, and they give me feedback in return, and I utilize that feedback so the next time I'm in front of another audience, I'm able to give in a more excellent way. So I love that. That's, kind of how it works. that's wonderful. So you have a podcast. It's called Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. And that yes. you can actually find on your website, ferventlyfitwithcharmaine.com. And we'll have all the links in the podcast notes so people can find you and uh, listen. I love that it came out of a place of you trying to uncover something for yourself. And they say that the best way to learn something is to teach it. And so you yes. sort of, that's kind of how you approached it, which I think is so cool. And then you also have something called the podcast in a box where people can check out how to do podcasting and you actually have some services that you offer for people with podcasts. So we'll include all yes. of that in the summary in the show notes for people to, to check you out. I'm so happy awesome. to have had you on. I always like to turn the tables and see if you have a question for me before we wrap up. So do you have a question you'd like to ask me? What is the thing that you have grown the most in during this time? Because, I mean, we've had a lot of time to reflect. What do you think is the biggest takeaway that you're going to have from this? That's a great question. I really have taken on um, a writing a writing ritual in the morning. I've done it for years, but I've really taken on getting up an hour earlier and really okay. having time to meditate and write and just dig into that inner journey um, because I know that my inner self reflects my outer world. So that's what I've really focused on. And I'm leveling up my ability to succeed and taking out all the mental blocks that are in my way. My fear has always been in being rejected. I actually have a crippling fear of rejection that I've been uncovering and unraveling for the last couple right. of years. So, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to be checking out your podcast. But that was a great question. Thank you for asking it. I want to thank you so much for being on. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Okay. All right. Well, you have a great day. You too. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Trista's Plate Story Podcast. Please subscribe to Trista's Plate Story Podcast to get the story behind all those vanity plates driving with you on the road. And if you would like to nominate the owner of a license plate, including you, or visit any of our partners and sponsors, come see us at platestory.com. That's P-L number eight story.com and give us the details. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop a review and give us a share. I'm Trista Polo wishing you well on the road to your next adventure.